Hello, welcome to another wannabe entrepreneur. My name is Tiago, and this is the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. I have been misbehaving in the past months, misbehaving towards you because I know that you like to have one specific day, a day where you know you can listen to the wannabe entrepreneur podcast. However, I've been kind of all over the place and releasing in random days. I try always to release at least once a week, but unfortunately sometimes I, or most of the times really, I do not commit to a specific day. But that changes today. I will now make, make, I'll now make a pledge to you to always release on Wednesdays. Wednesday will be, Wednesdays will be the new day for the Want to Be Entrepreneur today, where you know that you can listen to this podcast, or at least that it will be released. Now, will it always be released at the same hour? No, it won't. But at least I will try my best to always have an episode on Wednesday. I released last Wednesday, and I believe the Wednesday before. So now, yeah, this is the best day for me, middle of the week. And I have more time to prepare for this episode. Now, I still have one interview to release. Uh, it's my last interview that I have still... I, I think I recorded already like more than a month ago. And I've been too lazy to edit it. But I hope to release that soon. Now, you all know that I have been for almost a year now. Actually, it's probably more than a year. I've been practicing this new sport... Uh, at least new sport for me. It's called Muay Thai. Muay Thai is a martial art. It's a martial art that was started in Thailand. It's very known in Thailand. It's kind of the king sport in Thailand. Like here is soccer, there is Muay Thai. And there's like kids that start fighting when they're like five or six years old. If I agree with that or not, that's besides the point. I just want to say that this has been a sport that I've been practicing and it's been a year. I've practiced other martial arts before. I practiced judo, taekwondo for a lot of years, and a little bit of kickboxing. And since I returned from Germany, that I wanted to find a new sport. If you remember correctly, that's one of my goals for 2022. And I wanted something that would both be interesting, but at the same time, that would be a good sport, good cardio, good exercise, because I'm working from home. Most of the days I do not even leave my apartment. And when I do, I don't go too far. I just go to a coffee place or something. So I don't move a lot. I wanted to have a sport where I would actually move a lot and do a lot of exercise, something with high intensity. So that's why I picked up Muay Thai. When I started we were basically learning the bases. It was uh, pairs. We would like be uh, paired up and on turns, each one of us would do an exercise. Very tiring. I would always leave that class basically soaked in sweat because I, I do sweat a lot. Uh, sorry to put this image in your head. But we didn't do a lot of sparring. Sparring is basically fighting. And uh, it's a more controlled fighting it's a fighting that you do using uh, protections. You have leg protections and you have mouth, uh, mouthpiece and uh, you have your gloves. But uh, you have light sparring and hard sparring. Light sparring is basically just touching and hard sparring is where you apply a little bit more force. When we first started, we wouldn't even do any sparring. Our coach 
would not let us because when you first start, you don't know how to control your movements. You don't really know how to protect yourself. So you can get injured really easily. And then as we progressed, and a lot of us kind of started at the same time, we started to spar each other. And it's really interesting because like in any sport, like with anything in life, you start as a noob, right? And I remember one thing that my Taekwondo teacher once told me is that a black belt, which is the most wise or the most experienced fighter, all of the black belts started as a white belt. And that's with everything in life. All the great entrepreneurs started with noobs that were afraid to tell their ideas and they were afraid that someone would steal their idea, right? So it's normal. And uh, actually, one other thing that he said is that a black belt is a white belt that never gave up, which is also very interesting, right? So you always start from nothing. There's no way around it. Some people have a little bit more talent for it, some skills, but you always start from nothing. And then you start realizing that there are certain steps. With sparring, I would, since I came from Taekwondo and I had some experience sparring, I always felt that among the ones uh, with my skills, with my level, I was kind of okay. I mean, I was not great. I got punched a lot, but I was kind of average or a little bit above average. And I was getting more and more confident. And then my coach started to pair me up with pros, which for me are pros. They are not even professionals. They don't do this for a living. But some people that have more experience and people that actually fight and fought in, in championships and stuff like that. And suddenly I started, I realized that it's a different league. Everything I thought I was good at, I thought I was above average. I was completely humbled by those experiences because these people, they fight hard and they fight really well. They're very precise with their movements. And I just go from this guy that is super confident to this guy that is super scared. I was just fighting this dude last uh, last class and he was like, hey, don't be afraid. Come on, don't be afraid. Boom, boom, boom. I was like, I'm still sword. You know, I'm still sword from all the hits and the kicks that I got. And it was, I felt that it was just joking with me. I felt that it was super controlled. I felt that he had everything under control. And I just realized that I know nothing. I know nothing about Muay Thai, at least at that level. And it's really funny. This probably already happened to you, I assume, with other things in life, right? When, when I first started coding, at first it seemed that I knew nothing and I was basically learning from everyone, then I kind of learned the basics and I thought, okay, I'm good at this. But then I realized that the basics are just the tip of the iceberg. There's much more to learn. And uh, I, there's some philosophical, who is it, like Socrates? I don't know, that said, I, I only know that I know nothing. At least I'm translating from the Portuguese. I don't know if that's how he said it or how you say it in English. Anyways, yeah. That's how I feel as well in relationship to entrepreneurship. The reason why this podcast is called The Wannabe Entrepreneur is because I want to become the best entrepreneur I can. And there's many things to be learned. And as you know, I've been interviewing a lot of people here and I've been narrating my own journey. I've been experiencing with a lot of different approaches, different businesses. 
but I still feel that I have only learned a little bit, the tip of the iceberg. And now I am jumping to the next league. Now I have a business that is actually paying the bills, a business that is growing every day, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what should be the next steps. It's a very interesting situation because I've never been here. This is like uncharted territory. Another interesting thing is that we are bootstrappers, indie hackers, and building a business as an indie hacker is very much different than building a business as a VC or a startup that raises money and everything. Like, what are the goals, right? So when we were first starting, when I was first starting my businesses, the goals were simple. Make something that people want and people are willing to pay for. That has been always my goal. And a lot of the, the peers, my indie hacker friends around me, they are looking for the same. They are looking for a business that can take them from the side hustle, from hobby, to something that they can focus full-time, right? And that was always clear to me. My goal was clear, and I set my goal since the beginning of this podcast. You know that my goal was to live from my projects. But now it seems that this is achievable. We just reached 6,000 MRR. 6,000 MRR, and uh, at the moment, we are basically spending around maybe, let's say, 2,000 in uh, all the expenses and everything. So it, it still leaves 4,000 that we split between me and João. So we just are making 2K, each one of us. And my goal, I believe I, I shared this with you, at first was to at least reach the same paycheck I was getting in Germany. That was around 5k MRR. So then you have the taxes and it leaves you with around 3k. We are actually going there. I believe that we will reach that in the next one or two months. So I have my goal. My first goal is in line of sight. We can achieve that. And that now makes me wonder, what should be my next goal? What should we focus on? And it seems easy I guess for you, or if you first think about it, you just say, hey, let's just scale this up, you know, but what does that mean to scale this up? What is the goal? How much money do we want to make? Because I am already seeing my first goal, the money that I said I would be happy with, right? So now there's so many possibilities and let me just enumerate or list them for you. First possibility, I want to... Take it easy. You know, I reached my 5K uh, MRR or for my own personal 5K MRR. And from then on, I just work less, I chill, and I try to enjoy life. You know, I try to recover from all these two years of intense work and stress. That's option number one. Option number two is the opposite extreme, which is we want to scale this to a huge corporation. This means that every money we make besides the minimum we need for our paycheck goes to be reinvested in the company. If we need to raise money, we raise money. And we want to make this huge. We want to hire people. We want to grow our MRR to a crazy amount. We, we want it to spend in ads. And maybe we want to sell it. 
So I don't know about how to sell a company and how the company is actually valued, but the 10x is a number that is kind of thrown around. A lot of people say that you 10x your ARR and that's more or less for how much you can sell your company. That's crazy. That's really crazy because if you think about it, now we are making 6K MRR. That in a year is around 72K. So if you 10x 72K, you're already reaching 7,020K. That's how much we can sell our company for. Or is it? To be honest, I don't believe that you can just 10x your ARR. I think there's so many more nuances to the deal, right? If you remember when I had the chat with Thibault, his company was already making a lot of money, probably not as profitable as ours because they were reinvesting a lot of this money. But the deal had much more nuances, right? So they at first sold the company for 1.8 million, but then in the next two years, they had to stay with the company and they would get a portion of the revenue. So in the end, he told me that the company would bank him more than 10 million, which is crazy. But of course, it's not just multiplying your ARR per 10 and that's it. No, there's more to it than that. But still, it's somehow connected to your ARR or at least to your profit, right? So since we have good ARR plus good profit margins, it means that we probably can sell the company for, it, it seems that 1 million is achievable. Now, 1 million might seem like a lot and it's that number that you're always thinking, oh my God, 1 million, I will be a millionaire. But first of all, we are two. So even if you sell for 1 million is 500K, and nowadays, 500K cannot even afford you a house or apartment. If you go, for instance, to the Netherlands, I was just in the Netherlands, and uh, 400K will buy you a two-room apartment in Amsterdam. I know it's Amsterdam, but come on, two-room apartment for half a million, it's crazy. So we are living in an era where getting 1 million will not necessarily mean that you don't need to work anymore. Now, getting 10 million... That's a different story. Selling your company for 10 million, that will already give you a big, big margin. I'm not saying that you don't need to work anymore, but if you are clever, you can somehow make great investments that have low risk and can maybe pay you for the rest of your lives. I don't know. So is that the goal that Joe and I should aim? We should basically now just try to scale it, just try to get as much MRR as possible so that we can sell it? Or shall we just chill, you know, enjoy it, have fun with the product? So I sat down with Joan and we decided to have the talk. <laughs> the talk that is really important. What do we want from this relationship? What do we want from Pod Squeeze? Both of us, we never reached this point. We never basically build something that could actually give us 1 million or more. So we don't know. And that can kind of influence our next steps. In the end, we decided that we wanted something in between. Yeah, I know we are boring. We always go for something in between. We don't want to sell the company in the near future. If it happens, it happens. But it's not something that we are going for. We want to build a product that we can have fun with, a product can help the podcasters and the product that can pay our bills. 
But we also don't want to just chill and wait for the product to die. We want to keep on building it. So we kind of realized that our goal is to build something and keep on working on it, keep on going in a bootstrapping way, which means we are not going to reinvest a lot of money. So we are still taking our salaries, the 5K that we want, that's our goal, and then all the rest, or at least we'll kind of put aside a portion of that money that we'll reinvest in the company. What does that mean? Does it mean ads, paying ads? Maybe. Does it mean hiring a virtual assistant to help us out with the sales? Maybe. We still don't know, but it's something that we'll be aware. At the same time, I love building products. That's something that give, give me gives me a, a lot of pleasure and gives me a lot of motivation to just wake up and build cool shit. And you know about it because I've been building a lot of stuff and I keep having a lot of new ideas. Every time Joe and I are discussing, I always say, hey, that's that could be also a good idea. Let's do that. And he says, yeah, that could be a good idea. So this is what I envision my future to be. I want to build PodSquiz. I want to keep building. I want PodSquiz to keep growing. And part of me, the competitive side, wants to beat up the other competitors. I want to be the reference for podcasters that want to repurpose their content. That's what I aim for. But at the same time, I don't want to be corrupted by money. I don't want to be just following money and trying to grow the company as much as possible because I want to take the time to enjoy life and to build other stuff, to build other projects that I believe in, even if these projects do not make as much money as PodSqueeze. That has been the goal. If I have one product that I love that is paying most of the bills, then I can basically afford to spend the rest of the time in other projects that might not bring as much money but bring value, value for the indie community or value for the world, something that I really want to do. I really believe that entrepreneurs can... Uh, we are in a very nice position, this position where we can actually somehow help steer the world towards a better place. And let's not get into what does that mean, right? Because better place means differently, different things to each one of us. But I don't know. I think there are certain values that are universal, right? We want to help to against climate change, for instance, or we want to bring peace to the world. I, I know these are kind of two general terms that seem kind of impossible for one person to contribute to, but you can. You can contribute to that, right? Even if within your community you convince a bunch of friends to switch to renewable energies or to recycle, or if you contribute to a charity, you are already contributing a small portion to that greater good. Now, what does this mean in terms of concrete actions we want to take? Great question. Thank you for asking. So we have two sides of the business. There's more sides, but just to simplify... There's the marketing side, which basically means acquiring new customers and exploring multiple ways of uh, traffic, you know, traffic sources. The other one is to improve the product. So these are your, our main focuses at the moment. And João tends to focus more in the marketing side. 
I tend to focus more in the product side, but we actually kind of work in both areas, right? So I do development, but Juan also does the design and the front end. I also do a bit of marketing and uh, we kind of all work in both, but we do have our main areas. In the marketing side, João has been focusing in something really cool, which is he basically took two or three days to create our own CRM. Our, I don't even know what it means. Is it customer relationship management, I think? So he went through all of our emails and documented all of our clients, all of the agencies we have reached, all the um, potential events we can attend. Everything is there. And he has now this amazing list of places and people that we can we can reach out to so that we can actually increase our MRR. We can uh, buy uh, or sell to other agencies and we have everything organized, like kind of our sales team or what, what John says that we can just Take this and give to a virtual assistant or to a sales team. And by just looking at that file, they know what to do. Everything is there perfectly organized. It was great, great work. And I think that's really a good strategy for B2B sales. Then we have our cold emailing, which is working really well for us. As you know, it's our main source of traffic, or at least of clients. I I believe that 50% of our clients come from cold emailing. For the first time, for the first time, people actually thank us for sending a cold email. This never happened to me before. Normally it's like, go away spammer. But this time it's like people just say, hey, I normally don't like cold emailing, but thank you. This was really helpful. So this is working really well. There are some issues though. We just, for instance, got put under review by the SendGrid, which is the company we use to send these emails. We are sending a lot of emails, to be honest, around 4,000, 5,000 per day, which is a lot. But this is really annoying because now we need to find a way to go around it. So I'll tell you how this goes afterwards. But yeah, that's basically our main goal for marketing. Now, there's a lot of other ideas. I was just in the podcast, for instance, I was being interviewed uh, and... uh, Uh, They are kind of experts in marketing and they were giving so many great ideas just for SEO, right? We can take the content that is generated by our users with their, uh, of course, with their um, permission and use it as content for PodSqueeze, content that will attract a lot of other potential users. There's so much, so many things we can do around SEO. And then there's the product side, right? There's a lot of small things that we need to work on. And basically, we have our support chat. And uh, for instance, the past week, since I was kind of on holiday, Juan was taking over all these messages. And we kind of wrote down a lot of the little things that we, by introducing certain features to PodSqueeze, we can reduce the amount of support that these people need. One great example is that a lot of people want to change their email or a lot of people want to add their co-hosts or their employees to their PodSqueeze account, right? So they want to add other accounts. That's something that at the moment is not possible. So these are small tweaks, small features that we can introduce to the product that won't necessarily make the results better, but 
will really help with the whole management of accounts. And this will also mean that there will be less support needed for these accounts because they are repeated. So that's something we also do. We want to build this for our customers and we just see what they are uh, asking the most and we try to solve those. And then there's the results itself, right? As you know, as I told you last week, we have been negotiating uh, better deals with another API that will do better transcriptions for much cheaper price. It's something we want to implement and uh, maybe introducing video. There's so many cool things that we can do also around the product. That's our strategy at the moment. And uh, I like it. It's fun. It will probably give me time to focus on other stuff, focus on this podcast, focus on the community, focus on other ideas I have. That makes me excited. Focus on just chilling as well, which is something that I also like to do. So I like this. And I don't know if this is the indie way, because again, this is uncharted territory. What should indie companies do when they reach this point? I think in the end, the cool thing about, again, just being us owning the 100% of the companies that we can do whatever we want. The freedom is real, feels really great. At the same time, we don't want to lose it, right? We don't want to be the guys that because we didn't invest enough, we just got taken over by our competitors and our company dies. It's a weird balance. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think should an indie company do when they reach this stage? The stage of actually they are paying the bills and it can grow more, right? Should they just have fun? Should just invest more, uh, you can send me a DM at WBTiago on Twitter. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Now, there's only one more topic I want to talk with you about, a topic that I believe to be important, which is the conference. So, John and I wanted to start making connections in the podcasting world. Connections with big companies. And when I say big companies like Sky News, Spotify, BBC, these big radios, because once we get into those companies, we become a reference in the podcasting world. And of course, they, they have huge accounts with a lot of uh, podcasts and everything, so they'll also bring a lot of money. How do we reach to them? We tried sending emails, doesn't work. It really doesn't work. We need to have either a connection or we need to meet someone from that specific companies. How can we do this? Well, one way is conferences, right? A lot of people are attending this conference, people from these companies. And we're kind of searching and we found there's a conf uh, conference coming in uh, London. It's already this month. And we had a meeting with the organizers and they said, hey, if you want to, you can still have a booth. However, it costs you $2,000 or euros to get there. And even though it's something that we somehow can afford, uh, we'll, of course, take a pay cut, but we could technically afford from our MRR. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to pay 2,000 euros to, that's only the conference, by the way. Then you still have to fly there. You still need food, accommodation, the whole money that you need to build the booth. 
right? It, it will maybe cost, I don't know, 3000 4000 which is a lot of money. So we were kind of thinking, shall we do this in... Another option would be to just go as visitants. We just go and we pay only 150 bucks each one of us, so 300 bucks in total, and we just go there as visitors. Now, there's pros and cons, right? From my experience with that web summit, uh, I know that the booths, you know, the companies, they are there selling their fish. So they are not interested in buying others' fish. So even if you go there and we speak about pot squeeze, yeah, it will work. Some people will be interested, but in I, most of them, they won't be. They, they'll be like, hey, okay, cool. But now check out my stuff. However, we can try to track down the Spotify people and go there and try to pitch our idea. We do not have the same reputation because we don't have a booth, but it can still work. In the end, we decided... Well, actually, we didn't decide it yet, but if we going if we are attending this conference by the way we need to make a decision this week but if we do we'll go we'll go as visitors and uh, i think it's a good a good call at first i was thinking because i asked around in the community and everything and people were saying yeah you should go and as an exhibitor but then joan kind of um, persuade me out of this idea because he told me it's so hard to just assemble the booth because he has experience with that that it would be just too much stress and too much money wouldn't make sense at the moment. So, yeah, maybe we are going to this conference. And I think that will be really cool. This will also be great content for uh, this podcast. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. I don't have much more to say. Last week, as you know, I was basically in chilling mode. I didn't do much. But it was cool as well to see that I could chill and John will basically take over uh, the operation. So that was really nice. So yeah, that's uh, basically it for today's episode. If you enjoy Wanna Be Entrepreneur, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to follow me on Twitter at WBTiago. You can also become a member of this com- the community, WB community. It's a Slack-based community and we have makers from all over the world and always there kind of exchanging ideas and it's a great place to meet other indie makers and it's only 10 bucks per month. Plus, you'll be supporting this podcast in you are supporting me as well so that will be really really amazing and uh, there's also a guide there's merch a lot of stuff that you can find in the show notes and now this was another wannabe entrepreneur see you next time João is about to arrive and uh, we are going to do a live for the first time in Spanish (laughs) and we do not speak Spanish. So that'll be interesting.